All right, we are super excited about Mission Camp, like you heard, and if you have a student that is in that age range, middle school and high school, make sure they sign up. And the reason being is this isn't just a normal camp. It's a mission trip and a camp put together, and so they serve together, sing together, and that's just a small glimpse. And my son has been going for years. In fact, this is his last year to go as a student, and it's my daughter's first year. So we're super excited. We're actually gonna be leaders ourselves this year at Mission Camp. And so if I don't come back, you know what happened to me, all right, during that season. But we're super excited about it. And like I said, make sure you sign up. But as always, before we jump into our message today, let me pray and ask God to bless our time together, all right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in multiple cities, God, in Canton and Jasper and online. It really is an amazing privilege to be together as the people of God. But God, as we're gonna see today, we know that we're not the only church that is gathering because we are all part of one church, the global church. And so God, we pray that you would bless all churches all over the world. And God, we know that it is your will for us to not only worship you, but to bring more people in to worship you. And so God, we pray that your church will continue to grow as we know that you said you would build it. And the primary way we are built, God, is through the preaching of the word of God. Because it is our time to not only gather together to see one another, but to hear from you. And God, that's what we want. We want to hear from you because you have given us this word and we want you to speak to us, to open our eyes and to open our ears, to see and to hear the truth. And God, we know that that can't happen without the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, would you fill us now? Help us to see truths in this that we need to learn and apply. Ultimately, God, help us to see what it tells us about you and who you are and then secondly, God, help us to see how you want to bring us into that image, to not only see how you lead us, but to then use that also as an example of how to lead. So God, I pray that you would help me communicate it in a way that honors you and is helpful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got a Bible, you can open up to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, we kicked off John chapter 10 last week, and we ended in verse 9 and 10, and that's right where we're going to pick up this week in John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, and been talking about this concept that Jesus introduced last week about shepherds. And if you were here, we talked about strange shepherds last week and how important it is for us to recognize the voice of our shepherd, to not follow after strange shepherds. And that was a lesson we should have been taught when we were kids to not get into strangers' cars, right? Stranger danger. People who don't know us and who don't have good in their hearts for us. And in today's world, that has gotten to be even more of uh, something that is important because now it's not just people you know, trying to get us into their cars, but getting us into teaching and, and the advent of technology and online. And so now more than ever, we need to be able to recognize the voice of our shepherd, the voice of who Jesus is and how Jesus is leading us so that we can know, okay, yeah, that is Jesus, and no, that's not Jesus. And so to help us do that, last week I talked about strange shepherds, but this week I wanna talk about the good shepherd. Because Jesus is gonna introduce in this text, in John chapter, nine, or John chapter 10, verse nine, 
through 18, he's gonna say that he is the good shepherd twice. And there's three things that I wanna tell you that makes Jesus a good shepherd. Three, three things from this text that I hope to bring out to help us understand what makes him a good shepherd. And so our, our understanding, again, is trying to discern who Jesus is and what makes him a good shepherd so that we can follow him. And then secondarily, to see that not only is Jesus our good shepherd, but then what does that mean for us and how do we lead like Jesus? As I told you last week, our goal is not just to lead people to Jesus, but to lead like Jesus. And so three things, again, if you're taking notes, I'm actually gonna start with the point this week and then we'll get in to the text. The first thing is this. A good shepherd is first determined by why they lead. Why they lead. Everybody say why. Don't you just love it when your kids ask you that? Yeah, I can tell by the groans. You really love it. When you tell your kids to do something and they're like, why? And, and if you're trying to be a good parent, like you've had a good day and you're not on a short fuse, you're trying to do what you know, psychologists and people tell us to do, to give your kids an answer, to explain why. Because not only do we want them to do what we want them to do, but we want them to understand the why behind what we want them to do. And so on a good day, you'll explain them like, well, this is why. I'm trying to help you. You know, I never forget when my son was just a few years old and he was, I mean, he was been a good kid, but I mean, he was like young, two, three. And I was explaining to him about what, you know, he needed to do something. He didn't want to do it. And I, I grabbed him by his, his shirt and pulled him up nose to nose. Like our noses were touching, Right. And I said, son, the reason why I want you to learn how to obey me is one day you're gonna be out from underneath my authority and you have to know there's still a God that you have to obey. And so I was trying to instill into him early the reason why he has to follow the authority of his parents is because his parents are there as placeholders to help him understand that when he leaves our house, he's not his own authority. He has to live his life underneath authority always. And so sometimes when we're doing good, like we are nailing it, we have this weird word in our, our society today, adulting, like we're adulting well, which we just call that, you know, being mature, right? When you're, when you're nailing it and you're doing good, you'll explain why. But let's be honest, those of us who have kids, there's sometimes when your kids ask why, that goes right out the window and you do the gauntlet card. You're like, because I said so. That's why, right parents? And when we say, because I said so, basically that is our cue to them, conversation's over. We ain't talking about this no more. Because I said so, that's why. And what I'm trying to help us to see is there's always a why behind the what, and the why at the end of the day really determines the quality of the leader who's trying to push you into do something, push you into what? Let me say it like this, the better the why, the better the leader. And so what makes for a good shepherd, first and foremost, is why they lead. Now with that in mind, let's look at verse nine and 10 of John 10. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's passive. That's something that happens to us. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. 
I came, what's that next word there? That, that, we gotta do better at that, all right? Both locations, all right? And so let's try that again. It says, I came, what's that word? That, that's much better, all right? Thank you, Jasper, for being with us. Here's the thing, that, it's a big word, four letters. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That word, that, is a conjunction or an adverbial word, depending upon how you look at it, but it's, a, it's kind of a hybrid, but the, the idea of the word is it denotes purpose. It's literally called a purposed subjunct. Uh, I'm trying to sound all smart here and I'm getting my words mixed up, which makes me sound non-smart, all right? But it, I would just say that it's a word that connotes purpose. It's the reason why something is done. That. And his that or his reason is, he says he came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so after the word that, it shows his why. Why Jesus came. He came for us to have life. And this is what sets Jesus apart as a good shepherd. There was a book that was written several years ago, a great leadership book called Start With Why. And I would highly recommend it to you. Not only if you lead organizations or you have any kind of leadership or influence role within your organization, but I think it's a great read for all of us to think about our own lives. Because so many of us live our lives almost like rudderless from the sense of we don't know why we do what we do. We're so focused on what? And the world will tell us what we need to do, right? You need to play sports, you need to play this thing, you need to do this thing, you need to get good grades, you need to go to college, you need to get an education, you need to get married, you need to have 2.3 kids. I always feel sorry for those .3 children. You need to have a minivan, you need to have a house, you need to invest, all this what? And we live our lives just going on to the next what that we're supposed to be doing. And I can't tell you how many people had been doing what they were supposed to do, but weren't driven by a why behind the what, and then started asking themselves the question, is this it? I did what I was supposed to do, but they don't know why. They just did it because someone said so. Their mama said so. Their daddy said so. Their teacher said so. Their coach said so. And here's what we have to understand about why. Before people will buy what you do, they need to understand why you do it. And that's the whole premise of the book. Start with why. And the reason why I'm pointing that out is because if we don't start with why when it comes to Jesus, then we'll never understand what he's asking us to do. And make no mistake about it, Jesus has things he wants us to do. We'll get into it as we continue through John, but I've said it many times, it's a part of our purpose as a church. We want you to obey the commands of Jesus. Clearly, because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. 
So bringing our lives into obedience, which is what Jesus wants us to do, if we don't understand why he wants us to do it, guess what? We won't do it. Because Jesus is gonna ask us to do some hard things. Jesus is gonna ask us to do some difficult things. But here's what I want you to understand. Every time Jesus asks you to do something, I want you to burn it into your brain, the why he's asking you to do it. And he just told you what it was so that you may have life. But not just life in that like you're alive and breathing, which is part of the point, right? Like as parents, we do want to keep our children alive. That is a goal we have. And I'm not making light of that, I'm being serious, which is why we feed them, which is why we provide shelter and clothing. We tell them, hey, don't go play out by the dotted yellow line. It ain't gonna go well for you, right? Like our, and this is why the Bible says, if you obey your parents, you'll have a long life. That's like foundational, but people are like, oh yeah, because guess what? Your parents are smarter than you. And the reason why your parents are smarter, most times, I mean, there's always an exception. Most times is because they used to be you. Right? They used to be a teenager. They used to be a child. They understand when you touch the stove, it's hot. Right? But that's not the only goal as if just getting through life is the why. I love, and, and this is out of the words of Jesus. Jesus clarifies this even further when he says, I came to have, to, to, so that they may have life. And then he says, and have it abundantly. Church, listen to me. I want you to understand something about Jesus. He wants you to have a better life than you want for yourself. He wants you to have more joy than you can imagine. He wants you to have more love, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He wants that for you. He came. That's what he said. This is his why. He came so that you could have it and have it abundantly. So for the Christian life, listen, we are eternal optimists. Not just because that's my personality type, but because if Jesus came up from the grave, then everything's possible, right? That's our faith. And I think it would do us some good as Christians to remind ourselves of that and for our heart to remind our face of that. And I'm not saying you got to smile all the time, but what I am saying is this. If you don't understand the why behind the what that Jesus is asking for you to do, then you will misunderstand his purpose. You will think he is some cosmic killjoy that's telling you to do this because he gets up in heaven and laughs, which some parents are bad like that. Like, hey, go do that. It's funny. That's not how God is. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. So again, I'm stressing this because I want you to understand how foundational this is. He came that we, we are the they, may have life and have it abundantly. That's the why behind the what. And so when we hear the commands of God, always remember the why. Because the commands of God, watch this, are gonna go against the commands of your flesh and they're gonna go against the commands of the world. The world is gonna to say to do this, your flesh is gonna to say to do this, and if you don't have a better why, then you will just do what your flesh says, 
or do what the world says. Why? Because they said so. It's amazing to me when I have conversations with people in pastoral care situations, like, why'd you do that? Uh, and, and, and literally, this is like, because my flesh said so. Because it felt right. Well, listen, if you don't have a greater why, then guess what you're not going to experience? Life abundantly. So what makes Jesus a good shepherd, first and foremost, is the why. Here's the second one. A good shepherd is next determined by how they lead. How they lead. First, I told you it's determined by why. Second, it's determined by how. Let's look at verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand. And watch this, cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Here's the second thing I want you to understand about who Jesus is. Jesus is the good shepherd, not just because of the why, because he wants to lead us into life. He's also a good shepherd because of the how. Because he lays down his life. And see, this is the fundamental foundation of godly leadership, or what some people have now coined servant leadership. And the whole idea of servant leadership comes out of how Jesus led. Because Jesus led first and foremost for the benefit of the other. That word there for, literally, those of you who've been around here, you know I like prepositions. I like them and I can't lie, all right? Prepositions of advantage. You gotta stay with me quick, all right? Some of y'all catch this. Some of y'all are like, oh, that's what he meant later, all right? Preposition of advantage. Here's what it is. It is used of a preposition to show gain or benefit. So watch this. Jesus, not only did he have a why to why he came, he came that we might have life. His why then determined his how so that he led not for the benefit of himself, but for the benefit of those that he led. And that's how you know a good leader. And see, this is where we have to get real, real practical, real, real careful and understanding. Because there's a lot of people that lead today and their leadership today is not fundamentally about the good of those that they're leading, but simply they're manipulating their followers to benefit themselves. That's almost the definition of worldly leadership today. Where we don't just have a why, but we have a how that looks nothing like Jesus. Which is why I said beginning we not only want to lead people to Jesus, but we want to lead people like Jesus. See, leadership, watch this, ultimately is about laying down your life. And how many leaders have we seen on the world scene? I mean, I've mentioned it last week. We're seeing it happen right now. 
You see ungodly leadership evidenced by presidents and world leaders that are using their people for their own ends, which come at the detriment to their people. But leadership fundamentally from a biblical perspective is no, I don't see them here for me, I see myself here for them. That's godly leadership. And whether that is a pastor like myself, or whether you're a parent, or whether you're married in a relationship, whether you are a boss or you are an employee, no matter what level of leadership that you have, you have to understand at the end of the day, your leadership position was given to you, not because you were so awesome, but because they were so loved. And you are there fundamentally to bless them, not for them to bless you. Now, since I am talking a little bit about pastors, I want you to hear me say this. Because sadly, in my profession, there have been so many pastors, more than I would care to admit, honestly, that have used their churches to build their own platforms where it becomes this idea that he or she is the anointed one and they're all there to help that person, which is why they go from coach to owning jets. I just want y'all to know something. I don't need a jet. <laughs> and you're like, you making fun of preachers that got jets? Yeah, I kind of am. I'm not saying we shouldn't fly somewhere, but, but again, you know how quick it is? You know how quick it is for you? Like I fly coach, I'm, I fly Southwest, and so I didn't even have coach, right? I'm just part of the people, right? But there's been times in my life where I got upgraded. I'll never forget when Lindsay and I got married on our honeymoon, we got upgraded into first class. I ain't gonna lie, it's nice, y'all. And one of the reasons why it's nice is because it's chairs made for people like me. I don't even need the concierge service. I just like the width, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just like, you know, wide seats, which is why I like wide trucks, right? And wide chairs, because I don't know if you can recognize, but I'm wide. But it doesn't take long from sitting, you know, moving from the back. to, And don't they, like they play with that curtain. Like you can see right through it. Like you ain't hiding nothing. All they're doing is reminding you that you're not as important. Right? Now, if you fly business class, first class, I ain't, I ain't railing on you. I, but what I'm saying is simply this. And it's not a sin to fly first class. Watch this. But you know how quickly it goes from I'm so blessed to sit here to I deserve to sit here? You know how quickly that goes? How quickly it goes from I'm so privileged to sit here to y'all need to know who I am that's sitting here? Honestly, if we were all honest, let's take, see if, see if you think I'm lying. If we were all honest, this is what we would say in our social media bios. If y'all only knew how important I was. 
That's what we would really say if we were being honest, which makes me laugh when people write their own bios. You're talking about pastors do this too. I'll go to a church and be like about their pastor and it's just like glowing biography. I'm like, I know that sucker wrote it. They're talking about how awesome and creative and special they are. People ask me to write bios when I go speak at other places. Like I'm a sinner who's married to Lindsay and I don't know why Jesus saved me. That's me. I got two great kids and I get the privilege of leading an awesome church and I have no clue why. And again, I'm not trying to say that arrogantly to you, but what I'm trying to say is simply this. It shows up who you think you are in how you lead. And here's what I'm trying to point out to you. The most important person who's ever lived lived as though he was the least important. And it amazes me that so many of Jesus's claim to be followers won't take the same downward path. What's interesting is this word here, lays down, is literally, I kid you not, the Greek word, tithe me. It's just how it's spelled. Now, it is not the word for tithe. There's another word for that, and that word just means tenth. And so tithe simply means I give to God what is his, which is the first, and it's the ten. But here's what's interesting. This word here, lay down, does mean to move from one designated place to another, to move it. And so when you think about tithing, that's simply what tithing is. I'm moving... Watch this. This is so huge. This is why we say tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. I'm moving what is his back to him. And so when you tithe, that's what you're doing. And the people who say, I can't afford to tithe, what you're saying is, I can't afford to quit stealing from God. Because it's his. But here's what's interesting. This isn't even a message on tithing, so don't hear that. But here's what I am getting at. The Bible talks about Jesus as God's tithe. And watch this. He moved from one place to another place, from heaven to earth. And then Philippians 2 even goes under the earth. Now, I'm six feet tall. In case you were wondering, it always amazes me when I see people, they're like, oh, you're taller than I thought you were. You're shorter than I thought you were. You're wider than I thought you were. No one ever says that. Thankfully, no one ever says, you're uglier than I thought you were, because that translates on video, all right? But I'm six feet tall, so that means my sight is six feet above the ground. But there is coming a day where I will be six feet below the ground, It's coming for all of us. And so six feet above to six feet below, six plus six is what? 12, you guys are smart, all right? So watch this. I'm taking a 12-foot journey from here to there. And 12 feet, I mean, it's no small amount. I mean, I can't even dunk a 10-foot goal. 12 foot would be like astronomical. So 12 feet is is pretty far, but let me ask you this question. How far of a distance did Jesus have to travel? 
Did Jesus exist six feet above the ground? No. He existed light years. I mean, we don't even know, right? I mean, the Bible describes the universe that we can see in the book of Psalms that he laid them out by the fingers of his hand. And he just spoke that into existence. If that's how big the universe is, how big is he? And think about the distance that he had to travel from the right hand of the Father to six feet in the ground. Much longer than we have to travel. But yet he did it. He tithed himself. And this is why when people say, well, the church just wants my money. My response to you always and forever will be, we are not that shallow. We want way more. If you think that's all we want, you ain't seen nothing yet. We're coming after more. Like, there come. For all you who are new here, you're like, what kind of church am I visiting today? Good night. We want it all. Why? Because he's worthy of it. He was willing to tithe his life and lay down his life because he was driven by the why of you having life that he was willing to give up his life for you to have it. There is no other leader on the face of planet earth that has ever existed or will ever existed that did what he did. Why Jesus? Why is Jesus the only way to heaven? Because there's no other good shepherd like him. He has never manipulated you. He has never lied to you. All he has ever done is laid down his life for you. That's what makes him a good shepherd. And this is what amazes me about his followers. Again, I've told you this before. I didn't grow up in church. And so when I heard about Jesus, I became a pastor when I trusted Jesus. People are like, when were you called to ministry? The day I was saved. Now, I didn't have the title. I was only 13 years old. You don't give 13-year-olds that title. I had to earn it. But what I'm saying to you is, but the day that I trusted Christ, my life was no longer mine. It was his to do with what he saw fit. Why? Because that's the only acceptable response, people. <clears throat> Hang with me here. You understand that we play weird games in church, right? Here's the weird game that we play in church. We like to act that we're holier than we are. We come to church, dress nice, and we sing loud. Sometimes. They'll ask us to move and we're like. We might clap a little. And I get it. I'm not saying you don't love Jesus if you don't clap. But what I'm saying is simply this. Worship is so more than singing. Worship is the response to all that he is with all that I am. So I have not worshiped if I just gave him my lips. I haven't worshiped until I gave him my life.
And there's a lot of people that God is saying, do this. And we're saying back to God, why? And God could say, because I said so. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, so that you'll have life and have it abundantly. And you'll say, well, how do I know that? How can I trust you? And we read words like this where Jesus says, you can trust me because I laid down my life for you. Because when the wolf came, I didn't leave you. I didn't run away. I cared for you and I sacrificed for you. You understand how cowardly it is to run away from those that you care about when they're in danger? That's the definition of cowardness. Jesus says, when the wolves showed up, the hired hands run. They flee. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. But Jesus says, I lay down my life for you. See, church, it's not just the why of what he did. It's how he did it. Third one, we're almost done. A good shepherd is lastly determined by who they lead. By who they lead. First one is why they lead. Second one is how they lead. Third one is who they lead. Look at verse 16 and 17. And he says, I have, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I, what's that next word there? Must, come on, baby, both, both locations. Let's try that again. I what? Must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. Now don't miss the context of who he's talking to. He's talking to Jewish people, Hebrew people, Israelite people. All words mean different things, but all referencing the same group of people who came from Abraham through Isaac, through Jacob, whose name was turned to Israel, who became a nation, who was the lineage of Jesus. So he's talking to one group of people who all come from the same family tree. But listen to what he's saying to them. In essence, he's saying, I came from y'all, but I didn't just come for y'all. See, I've said this many times. Salvation is from the Jews, which is why we love the Jewish people. But it's not just for the Jews. Because you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham after he divided up the nations in Genesis 11, he divided the people into a bunch of peoples and then he chose one people and he told Abraham, I will make your name great and I will make you into a great nation and then you will bless all the families of the earth. And what happened throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament and what still happens today in churches is people think that God came to save one group and not another group. God came to save us, but not them. You realize we all have a them? You're like, who's them? You know who they are. Whoever they are that you wouldn't want your daughter to marry, 
And I'm not talking about unchristian in that sense, because that's clear. The Bible says not un, in, un, no, we don't unequally yoke. But it's just human nature that we gravitate though to those who look like us and sound like us and smell like us and eat like us. And before long, we can think that God just came for us. And one of the biggest failures that any church can make is to forget who the good shepherd is really going after. And it ain't just us. How many churches have you seen? They wouldn't say this, like this isn't the sign on their church, but it's like us four and no more. We're going to sing Kumbaya and hide out till Jesus comes. Right? But you miss the voice of your shepherd who says this. I have other sheep that I must bring in also. I must. Not I might. Not if you can fit them. Not if they look like you or act like you, but I must bring them in. And the worst mistake that we can make as a church is start putting boundaries on the who. And I want you to understand something. I'm not the good shepherd, that's Jesus, but it's my job to make sure that this church looks like the good shepherd wants it to look like, which means there's others we must bring in. I don't get to determine that, by the way. And I want you to hear me say this because I have now led this church for 12 years. It's crazy. And 12 years ago, our church was much smaller than it is now. But I have never once, and I will never, set an attendance goal for our church because that's how you run businesses. The church isn't a business in that sense. My job is to make sure that we stay faithful to the mission of Jesus and God's job is to bring his sheep in. So I've never once determined how big this church is going to get. We now exist in multiple cities, praise God. I don't get to determine that. And people that say, well, you know, pastors, they just want large churches. You've never talked to a pastor of a large church. Because you know what? My life would be so much easier if this church was smaller. Like, I get twitches in my eye because of y'all. Like, leading y'all over the last two years, I'm like, like, I need to go see my therapist. Good night. I mean, for real, I'm not even joking. Like, my eye just starts twitching. Because those of you that have been parents, you understand, or you let anything, you understand the hardest thing about leading is the people. Right? You're like, man, if it wasn't for these people, I'd be such a good leader. <laughs> but we fail to understand that the people are the point. So I want you to hear me say this. I'm never gonna give up on the why of what we do as a church. Love Jesus, grow people. Never gonna give up on the how we do it. We're gonna do it by laying down our life. And I will never give up on the who. Because there are more people out there that need to know Jesus, and it is our responsibility to make him known. (laughs) 
So if you don't like a church that goes after people, then this may not be the church because we are gonna ask you to lay down your life. When you join our church, which is happening right now, you go through Welcome Track and you come in and, and you do session three of Welcome Track, you sign the what we call Stewardship Covenant, you are now responsible for the mission and ministry of the church, which is why we don't do assigned seats around here and you don't get green jackets because the church ain't a country club. It ain't about us. It's about him and them. And it's our job to make sure that the mission of the church never becomes us for and no more. Because aren't you glad the church didn't stop before it reached you? Do you understand how arrogant it is for us to think we good, they can go to hell? How arrogant it is to think, well, well, I'm here. Ain't that all you need? No, because I don't know if you knew this or not, but you ain't that big a deal. Which is when you join our church, you get a towel around your wrist and you serve others. Why? Because that's what our shepherd did. And our shepherd says, I have more sheep. And it, like it breaks my heart that churches lost that somewhere. I don't know if it's they became too political or they became too worldly or that people thought that somehow the church getting bigger was a bad thing. Listen, it's, again, it's not about Revolution Church, which is why at the core of who we are, our vision is to multiply. Multiply disciples and multiply disciples. Multiply leaders and multiply leaders. Multiply campuses, multiply campuses. Multiply churches and multiply churches. We want to start churches all over the world. It's not about Revolution Church. They don't have to be called Revolution Church. But what we're saying is we have a mission. And because he said so, that's what we're going to do. I don't get to determine that. You don't get to determine that. It amazes me when people are like, what's the mission of this church? Well, Jesus said it was. Go make disciples. I don't get to determine that. You don't get to determine that. And yet, how many churches have we had that are fighting about worship, but they ain't worshiping? They're fighting about song styles or preferences, but they ain't serving. Listen, don't fall in love with our style. We'll change it up on you just because we want to. And not because we're trying to do it arrogantly, but what we're saying is don't fall in love with the style fall in love with why we do it. Because it ain't about a style. It ain't about a person. It ain't about a day. It ain't about nothing other than what he said it was about. Which there are more of his sheep out there that are being attacked by wolves and we got to go get them. What would you do if someone stole your kid? You'd move heaven and earth to get them back. Well, guess what? The enemy has stole his kids. And those are our brothers and sisters. And so we will always and forever be a church that ain't about one race, one ethnicity, one social class. 
We'll go after all people in all places because those are God's people. Last verse, verse 18. No one takes it from me, listen to this, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Let me leave you with this. What are you doing with the authority that he gave you? Are you laying it down by your own choice? Laying down your life because you understand that he laid down his for you and you wanna lay down yours for others? Again, twofold, the message is very simple. I'm trying to show you Jesus is a good shepherd because of why he leads, how he leads, and who he leads. Salvation came from the Jews, but not just for the Jews. Jesus loved you and I enough to lay down his life for people that didn't look like him, that didn't talk like him, that wouldn't have voted like him. But yet we've become so sectarian in this world where we have forgotten the only term that you need to know is not Republican or Democrat, it's neighbor. Neighbor. And oh, that we would be like Mr. Rogers, won't you be my neighbor? If the church will keep neighboring, if the church will keep the why, the how, and the who front and center, then God will keep reaching his children through that church. But if a church doesn't, like Revelation says in chapters one through three, he takes their lampstand away because he can no longer trust that church with his children. So twofold, one, Jesus is like that, but then two, we want to lead like that. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that Jesus came from heaven to earth and died on a cross and was buried. He went from the highest place to the lowest place. And no one has ever done what he did because no one else was God when they did it. Thank you for Jesus that you so loved us that he tithed himself. He laid down his life. And he rose again. And he sits at your right hand now. And he has the name above all names. He went to the highest place because he went to the lowest place, which means greatness is determined by how low we're willing to go. And so there's no one greater than Jesus. And God, I pray right now, if there's anyone here who has never trusted in Jesus, has never had that truth said to them that Jesus laid down his life for them so that they may have life. 
if they would just believe. God, I pray right now you'd save them. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close, if you've never trusted in Jesus, then today, in hearing the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did for you, you can believe, you can confess and be saved. We do that simply through a prayer. You don't have to come down front, you don't have to do anything like that, but if you wanna trust Jesus, you can pray with me. You don't have to do it out loud. And it goes like this, say, Father, thank you for loving me, that you sent your son Jesus in my place for my sin. I ask you to put my sin on him. Give me his righteousness and make me clean. I confess I'm a sinner. Save me. Forgive me. Thank you so much for loving me. And if you just prayed that with me again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just prayed that, would you just simply lift up your hand, both locations, thank you. Just lift them up. We got men and women are gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put it down. And then those of us who have trusted Jesus, I pray that you would be reminded today of what kind of shepherd you have. You have one that laid down his life so that you could have life, that gave up his life so that you could have life. And if he gave it up for you, won't you listen to him when he says that he has life for you? If you're trusting him with your eternity, won't you trust him with your present and obey him? Because he's a good shepherd and he's only asking you to do it because it's gonna lead to more joy and life for you. And then God, I pray that you would help us as a church to never come off our mission to make more disciples because you have people that are not a part of this church, that are not a part of your church that you want. And God, we are not the only church. There's the global church. We're just one local church, which is why we love other churches. We work with and support other churches because we're all on the same team. It's one flock, one shepherd. But God, we don't want to push off our responsibility onto others. We say, as for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. As for Revolution Church, we're going to lead like Jesus. We're going to go after your children that don't know you yet. So Father, I pray that you would bless that so that we could be a blessing. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.